Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. This is episode 117, 117. I am really, really excited about this one, guys. I had such a good time interviewing AJ. I actually did this interview at a lake house in northern Indiana in a treehouse. So the vibe was right, needless to say. Now, AJ is a homegrown Chicago DJ producer, and it was a blast hearing his whole story. And in this interview, we got it all, guys. In episode 117, we talked about AJ's experiences in electronic music at a young age and how they helped shape who he is today. We also talked about some of his biggest and best shows, including ones at the Aragon Ballroom at Concord Music Hall. And of course, we talked about what he's been up to the past few months and what he's got cooking for the rest of this year and beyond was laughing throughout this entire interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my man. Let's let the people hear for themselves, though. So without further ado, let's get into it. Episode 117 with AJ. All right, AJ, what up? How are you? I'm great, man. I'm doing great. I'm in a tree. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the lair. You're, you're in the tree. I, I said the Keebler Elf thing earlier. Those Elf Fudge cookies are literally my they made it's right here, there. right, right here, actually. I know, right, right, around, right around the trunk. Yeah, man, right it was a dude's hot real estate right here, man. But uh, I get free fudge cookies, location, so location. you know, it kind of the, the house kind of pays for itself, right? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show, man. Um, appreciate you reaching out and uh, you know always being so supportive, and I'm really excited to really get your whole story. Right before we just went live, you mentioned you've been in the game for a long time. I want to go back even further than that, though, to start. Where are you originally born? Where did you grow up? And when did music come into your life? Well, I'm born and raised, the only one in my family born and raised in Elmhurst. Okay. So 20 minutes outside the city, straight west, 290, right at the you know, fork. There. Love 290 traffic, um, don't you? More than anybody. I, I live, eat, sleep, and breathe it coming home from the city. So <laughs> I, the, the, weird, the weird thing is if you go 90-94 and want to come back that way, it, it, it's a crapshoot. It's half a dozen of the same. So it, it's either I sit in way more traffic or I sit in less traffic and pay the toll. It's like, it, it, yeah, so I know it all too well. But so born and raised Elmhurst. Um, I've been, I was introduced to me, I've been musically kind of driven my whole life. I played clarinet, I played a little bit of drums, um, I took a couple of piano lessons back in the day, uh, but I did choir, show choir, um, I was in a couple dance troupes, um, late middle school, I was actually doing a little bit of, prof uh, professional acting, performing, whatever you want to call it, with a, uh, 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 messages which are hopeful group they call themselves Mwang we did like snowballs and snowflakes at high schools and things cool. like that so, yeah 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 those are like some big shows yes yeah, and then we got to I actually got with them I got to go and perform at the National Boys and Girls Club convention in Washington D.C. when I was just about to be a freshman cool and I'm like oh my god I, I get to I get to travel out of, so I guess that was my first taste of like traveling to a show yeah you know getting put up in a hotel nice and, you know, the, the whole thing so I guess that's really where it started um, possibly but I was always musically inclined my dad is the uh, chairman of communication arts and sciences and the head of the theater department at Elmer's College cool so I was always in theater uh, children's theater things like that so I've always been a performer I love that, man. I love that. Well, what about electronic music? Because obviously you caught the bug early. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember a time? I mean, yeah. you mentioned even before, right? Like you became part of the scene or really started DJing before it was, oh, everybody's a DJ, right? When did that, that moment happen, if you remember? So, like 2008, I was an eighth grader. Uh, and I'd already been listening to Swedish House Mafia. I've already been listening to a couple of the Euro guys. Nice. And it was, you know, it was big room. It was a big room at the time, and it 
just coming out that, hey, this is starting to be a thing. They're starting to have, you know, festivals and whatnot. And I was starting to see it because I was just now getting on the social media. Yeah. I didn't have a phone really until my eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. But like sixth grade, seventh grade is when you know your music the most. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, anytime at home, I'm on YouTube and I'm sur- surfing, you know, whatever till three in the morning and. I was just finding a bunch of music, and it was the, uh, you know, Big Room, 128, just, you know, in your wheelhouse kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and I loved it, and it was something that I could enjoy when a time where I wasn't really surrounded by people that were, like, my homies. Mm-hmm. I, I was the theater guy who was also an athlete, so there was the, the clashing of, oh, what kind of side are you on kind of thing. Yeah, so man, it's I really true. Did, I really did, yeah, I really didn't fit in that much, so music kind of helped me there. So I just went home, and whenever I had free time, I was looking at music. And then once I got into high school, um, I would listen to you know electronic stuff for pre-games, for warm-ups. I wrestled, I played baseball, nice. I ran cross-country, so... Uh, I would always listen to that stuff, and then I started going to Zero Gravity. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, baby, this is episode 117. It's come up probably 110 times. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. Love it. Um, love it, man. But Jersey Shore started popping off. You know, my junior year, senior year, and that's really when I started going to Zero Gravity. Oh, Jersey Shore, fist bumping. That was the whole thing. But yep. it wasn't the cool thing to do. Uh, it was me and a couple other people and a couple other Europeans that were from my high school at Zero Gravity, and it was seen as, you know, it has the reputation it had, you know that. But it was a place where I could dance, and I was a shuffler, and I, you know, I would just go there. My buddy would get wasted. I'd drive the car. Nice. I didn't drink in high school. <laughs> I didn't drink in high school, or I didn't do anything in high school, so yeah. um, I, I, I was the DD. I got... I, I got to shuffle, he got to do his thing, and yeah. we both went home happy. So. That's awesome, yeah, man. I, I caught it early, and that's how I got into the music. So, Of course, man. Yeah, the Zero Gravity Days is, I mean, really, it's a Chicago staple. Um, and it has come up so many times, all for basically the same reason, right? Just like that, that young experience when, like, I mean, I know, like, you could, like, because it was under, was it 16 and over? What was the age like? At, at the time, right before I started going, they had it at 16, yeah. and they had some ultra whatever, and then they bumped it up to 17. 16, um, 17, yeah, but, um, I mean, all the, all, age, yeah. Yeah, all the stories I've heard, even from, like, friends who actually started their DJ careers playing at Zero Gravity and people who went there. Yeah, I played there. Yeah, played there you there. go, right? Like, dude, that's something that I didn't get in Indianapolis. So, I understand yeah. uh, your timeline for kind of, like, uh, you know, the eighth grade to senior year, like I didn't really get truly exposed to electronic music maybe until my junior year. And that was because of a friend who had a friend from Chicago and things like that. Right. So it is crazy. Although like Indianapolis and Chicago are only 150 miles away, your guys culture up there because of zero gravity really spearheaded so many people into the scene. Like there's so many talented DJs that always mention zero gravity. So shout out zero gravity. Yeah, Zero Gravity, 100, 100%. I you know, started going there dancing, you know, having a good time, then started promoting, yeah. and, you know, started you know, DJing there eventually yep. once that came back around. I'm familiar with Medusa. Yeah, of course. Too. Yep. So that that also was a, a staple of my, my high school, junior, senior year. So. so how old were you when you first got your hand on the decks, and how long after that did you start DJing, like, in front of people? Uh, so I play. I was I went to Amherst College, graduated from there. I went there thinking I was going to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, after the preseason, I was like, I don't want to cut weight anymore. Stopped that. Just started working. Coach was like, Yo, you should try for lacrosse. Made the lacrosse team out of nowhere. Nice. It just kind of just kind of fit. Uh, but then so I, I became a lacrosse dude, and I lived in a lacrosse house my junior year. And they're like, AJ, you know the music. Like you should. Like DJ our parties. Yes, Lack Bros. Uh, I played lacrosse, okay. man. That's how it goes. Oh, you played lacrosse too? Yeah, I was a midfielder. I, I, dude, 
there's there's a culture with electronic music and lacrosse players too, especially. I was LSM. I was LSM. Hell yeah, bro! Nice. That's awesome. You just picked it up so and became should... a long stick mini. That's awesome. So I picked I picked up. They announced the team my freshman year. Uh, I picked up a stick and played against sports with my buddy. Just started playing wall ball, practicing. Tried out for the team my sophomore year. Made it. They're nice. Like, All right, you're gonna be a D midi. situation, bro. That's an incredible yeah, story. Shout out Costco. Costco one time, sponsor me if you can. Uh, <laughs> quarantine. Um, but uh, that our party house, it, it got notoriety from a couple surrounding state schools, even up in Wisconsin, and we were throwing clean parties. We tried to do the best soundproofing. We had people watching the door. Wow. We kept the noise down. We, you know, we only had... We never had actually anyone get in trouble at our house, and that was like our claim to fame. So, because Elmer's doesn't have uh, fraternity and sorority life, yeah, Greek life. So, they, yeah, the, the party scene is a little bit low, but but the sports scene. But I mean, the sports scene is kind of where the parties rely around, right? Sport houses, one hundred percent. Yeah, and you spend a lot more time with people you actually play sports with than people. I was in a fraternity, right? And like, yeah, you live in the same house, but. When you're on a, especially a lacrosse team together too, I mean most sports, right? Like you spend so much time with them, man. Just like line drills, uh, the, like, you know, standing on the sideline, all that stuff. I, I have yep. friends that I played with in lacrosse in fifth grade and we developed such a strong connection then through the sport and they're still good friends of mine now. So I definitely relate with you there, brother. It was one. Dude, it was one of the hardest sports I've ever played. I've yeah. never uh, the first contact sport was wrestling, but I never played like a head-on contact yeah. sport. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is insane. Yeah, but, uh, it, it fit right in for me. So that's good, man. I loved it. So you, you started taking it pretty seriously in college. Um, you kind of seems like you remained around the Chicago parts, obviously still through today. I saw you were doing, um, you know, stuff, maybe even fast forward a little bit the mid with the porn and chicken guys. And like you said, you know, Medusa's the, the zero gravity. What was that kind of timeline like until maybe the past year or so, past two years, when you started seeing real success at places like Concord, Aragon, Ballroom and stuff? So I was doing, you know, just uh, college parties when I was 21. Um, so like, you know, 2015, 2000, 2014, 2015, 2016 is when I was like really heavy going out to shows, yeah. and meeting people, and just being known and you know seeing seeing everyone out all the time. And I'm like, oh my god, these are like the same people at every show. And <laughs> even when I go to di- different types of music, it's the same people. I'm like, oh my god, so you start seeing the same people. You know how it goes. Yeah, that was 2015. 
Um, you know, I was starting to make my connections. I was playing more events like sorority parties, fraternity parties. I was doing, um, I started into the high school scene, which I'm sure you'll ask about. That's when I was, uh, picked up by Boom Entertainment, if you will. Yeah. Um, and did all those parties. And then once I, once I kind of had that going for a couple years, you know, last two three years is when the concourse shows started popping off my first aragon show was 2017 okay 2017 uh, nice dude yeah 2017 so not that long ago but still still pretty recent so that's incredible man i mean seems like you really uh really found the wave and fucking wrote it hard dude because i you know some of these pictures from shows that i've seen i mean really when edm it's still booming right um but that 2014 to 2017 time was like everybody was getting into it. If you weren't already into it, all your friends were. You were going to festivals. The festival boom really started happening. The Chicago Midwest scene happened. I know like EDC Chicago was around that time too. That's always a, a big milestone for people that went to that to see it's like, okay, DJing is fun, but there's also a career path I can take, right? Yep. 100%. Did you 100%. ever, did you have, have you had a, a day job or a nine to five throughout all this stuff or has it been totally focused on DJing? So I worked in college, I worked at a pizzeria for a couple of years, Hell freshman, yeah. sophomore, junior year, and then went to J. Alexander's in Oak Brook. Yeah. Which is a little bit more higher end, I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah. Um, but did that for a couple of years and then like 2014 was my first boom event. And then 2015, I was still kind of part-time at the restaurant, but then I was doing social media for Boom, Mm -hmm. and then I became like their intern, and then I worked for them full-time for the last five years. So, So, yeah. Last last four years, sorry. So, 2016 is when you said, I'm all in. Yeah, all in. um, I was doing general managing for Boom Entertainment. It was end of, end of 2016, 2017 is when I got my, I was getting combed into being the general manager for the company um, and doing that. So that, that that's when that happened. That's awesome. Tell me more about Boom Entertainment, man. So they, uh, great organization. They helped me learn so much, um, you know, the ability to play. My, my first event with them, uh, I this is, this is my favorite story, favorite how to just do what you're doing and be where you feel you need to be to get where you're going kind of story. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the short version. So I'm at a Geechee concert at Allstate Arena, I believe. I think, no, it was Allstate or like the UIC. I yeah. Think it was UIC. Yeah. Um, 2016. And I am with my homies. It was a school trip. We got tickets and a round trip bus for 25 bucks. It was amazing. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Glow run. 
Sure. So the kids ran by me, paused for like a couple minutes, danced. Yeah. And then left. Yep. The kids loved me. They wanted me back. The, the main DJ inside was an old dude who didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah. And they wanted me back the following year. I said to do the whole winter dance. Or the fo- that following February. It was fall when that happened. Yeah. That following February, they're like, AJ, you should do the whole winter dance. We got 500 kids, whatever. Um, I'm like, I don't have any gear for that many people. I got like, I got a, a box from Costco. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they're like, oh, I'll find it. I'll, I'll work at it. I'll, you know, I'll rent it out. So they they connected Boom Entertainment, and the owner at the time was like, oh, I think you're doing the same thing I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, which was create a festival inside of high schools. And then she's like, but I got this great DJ. The kids love him. You need to put him on. So that's when I opened and closed the first and last 15 minutes of Glenbardi's like 2015 GBE bash, whatever it was called. Yeah. Uh, March Madness bash. And the headliner, uh, drumroll please, um, Mr. DJ Metro. Uh, Hell yeah. Bibles. Yes. So, so. Metro was the guy of the night, and that's how we got connected. And he, from that that night on, that was my first time playing for anywhere close to a thousand kids. And they were I, the last fifteen minutes. We had them to the last second. It was insane. Yeah. And like I know you've locked in before. I'm sure you know DJs talk about locking in, and that was the first time I felt locked in, even though it was for only a couple tracks. I'm like, oh my god, this is what that feeling's like. And yeah, that was one of the craziest videos I've ever posted. You know, yeah. Just starting out. My second gig was at the B96 Pepsi Summer Bash at Boom's outside stage. They did a pre show. But my name was on there with the locals Josh R., Simone, DJ Speed, yeah. Miss, uh, Miss Meg. Yeah. Uh, who else was up? So a couple other people were out there, Metro, other people. And then uh, our names were on the same flyer as Zed, Usher, uh, you know, yeah. R5. A bunch, bunch of people. I'm like, what? This is insane. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, what? <laughs> what? And then now I, I have a really hilarious picture from that event. And I have my DDJ SR on top of uh, DD or DDJ, like, a bigger one with four channels, like, right next to the Denon equipment. I'm like, oh, my God, what was I doing? I, I was so nervous. I'm like, just let me use my own equipment. Right, Please, right, let right. Me just, let me. <laughs> so, but I got, I got that festival picture with the stadium in the background, and, the, you know, I had screaming moms and, you know, 13-year-olds, and yeah. I, had, I had girls lined up for at least a half 60 year old lined up to take pictures with me the nobody dj <laughs> from from 2 p.m and my mom that was the first time she came to the sh- one of my shows on my mom this one's a good one to come to you can come to this one yeah and she saw this and she's like wait th- wait this is what happens she's like this is how it, it goes like, yeah i'm like i, I, I don't know so <laughs> I, rem- I, rem- I remember playing the california I think it's the Chris Lake at it. Yeah. Chris Lake. Yeah, California. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is not what they want. They want a little bit more poppier, but I sold it, and that was the main thing, so. Wow. Like, yeah. Shout out Boom Entertainment, man. So, yeah, I mean, they're, it's they're awesome. great. They put me on. I, they they gave me shows. I played in front of a few thousand kids. Whenever when else I would have never been able to gain that experience. Sure. I've learned how to be on a stage. I've learned every part of event management from facilitate from idea creation to follow through all the way at the end. You know, so I know the whole picture, and I you know that's kind of why I've just you know been dabbling here and there is because I, I get most people when I, I my whole thing is. What are you doing when the bass drops? Everyone goes out on a Friday night. Everyone goes out to listen to some music somewhere, whether it be at a small hole in the wall bar, whether yep. it be at the biggest, the biggest show in the country, in the world, whatever it is. But what are you doing at that when the moment when the bass drops? Right? Mm-hmm. Are you dancing? Are you at the bar drinking? Are you trying to talk to a girl? 
are you working the show? Are you secure? Are you the DJ? You know, yeah. it's it, it just kind of puts us in that role and that you know, like, hey, what do you? What's most important to you when the bass drops? You know, kind of thing. So yeah, um, but yeah, I like that, man. That's actually that's really cool. Kind of little mantra. Yeah, your motivation. Yeah, I'm I, my my thing is I, I've been enamored with the show. I, I love the show of you know getting together with your friends, right? Going to the pregame, getting excited for a night. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, you're good. Yeah. Um, getting excited for a night, getting to the show, having the night be completely curated with music that is you know going to just you know throw you into that next level experience. Yeah. That's what Boom really taught me. Yeah. Um, but. But just to kind of get back to Boom, I, I just, I was the general manager, I was head of sales, I managed all the schools and every high school account, account entirely for the last, you know, four years now, yeah. or sorry, three years now, Yeah. Um, and it was just south of a million dollars of, of business. Wow, dude, uh, holy that, shit. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I, I ended up just, just shy, just around 900,000. Um, under my under my belt technically um, but being able to do that was amazing but having the way it ended was you know not not really cool so um, they yeah they they like yeah we're, we're, we're gonna go in a different direction now we don't want AJ walking away with all the clients so uh, that's kind of what's provoked uh, this this happened right at the start of COVID so it, it's kind of just kind of been in long now, but it, it's giving me that kickstart now is I've had the free time to work on my music, to really dive into what is important, which is AJ, which is me, which is what, where I'm going in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Just man. To, to, to wrap up the boom comments. Yeah. I appreciate you being transparent about that stuff. And honestly, you know what? That's life. Right. And I, I love your attitude on that. Just keep moving forward, man. The law of attraction, just focus on positivity. I mean, you learned a lot from that, right? Like, you got, let's say, the big stage bug out of your system at that point, right? Like, of course, we all get nervous and stuff, but playing at the Aragon Ballroom multiple times, I mean, Concord, I mean, so you played at the Aragon for Nightmare, and uh, and also Concord after shows. Dom Dalla Electric Hotel, 4B Joy District, Spring Awakening 2018-2019, Corona Electric Beach, I mean, that's a great resume, dude. Props to you. Acknowledge yeah, you on that and all your success. And, and even before then, doing shows like opening for Getter, for Lala, unofficial after parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I saw a picture yeah, with you and him. I yeah, I played a bunch of shows with Trinium events with, like, Amanda and Tim. And, yes. You know, that, that's where I first met Slander, actually, was when they first came to Chicago, a.k.a. Joliet, to Mojo's. Nice! Um, and, and they played there, and, you know, that that's when I kind of went from fan to friend and, you know, made that connection. But I played, you know, opened up for OK, opened up for um, Party Thieves at Sound Bar. So kind of been everywhere, been at the mid, been at everywhere except Prism, I think, really is the only venue that is for my genre, technically. So, well, well, or my, well, my, my style, if you will. You'll get there so, soon. I'm down but... to throw a, hey, Spy Bark, you're listening. I'm down to throw a house chase. <laughs> so, yeah, you know I know some guys there. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so. Uh, but yeah, those are some of the names for sure. Yeah, across all those shows, man, I mean, what have been some of the most significant to you? Obviously, you mentioned that, that first show where you closed for those last 15 minutes. Maybe after that, like, what have been some of the best moments in your career thus far? Halloween or New Year's? No, it was that one was just a November show. For okay. His, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas tour. Yeah. So that that was just a regular tour stop, and then this past year, this past New Year's is when I was at Aragon for Nightmares New Year's. So and that that first time at Aragon, that was other than doing the mid 
for like the porn and chicken parties, that that you know that was you know the major venue, right? That's major venue for for Chicago, and I yeah. grew up looking at that ceiling and you know going to shows there. Same. And it's like, holy shit! Like this is like this is when I was in 2015 going to shows, Pretty Lights for the three night run at Aragon for the live for the, when they had the live band. Yep. Bro, that first Friday night blew my mind, bro. <laughs> there were inflatable whales going places. <laughs> there were people on live instruments. There were lights doing crazy shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was Friday. <laughs> I saw Skrillex, Wisconsin, on a Monday night following for $9 for his college party tour, basement tour, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and then that following Thursday, went back up to the rave, saw Pretty Lights at the ballroom. Wow. And then came came back for 6 a.m. lifting for lacrosse <laughs> that day. That was the weekend that kicked off my, like, love of, like, going to shows. Yeah. And that, yeah. So. Jesus. You're a legend. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I've done the three-peat, man. I've done the three. Have you done the three-peat? Three, like, three days in a row or three festivals? No, no. Yeah, so I did, it's uh, EDC, uh, Electric Forest, then Spring Awakening. They all work consecutive weekends. I know uh, a lot of people. I've never been to EDC Vegas or Electric Forest, actually. I was going to go to Electric Forest. <laughs> I was going to go to Electric Forest this year, like 100%. Uh, very depressed about that. But I, they're, trust me, they're in the pipeline for sure, man. But I had gone to Spring Awakening every single year except last year I couldn't go. But the three-peat, I, I have a good friend who's done the three-peat. <laughs> yeah. so, so back to him, just to finish up the question of what are yeah. the most like, memorable shows, right? Um, I think the Nightmare After part, Nightmare when I first came into Aragon, because that was like surreal. That was like, oh my god, like I, like I find, I'm, I'm finally getting that recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people forget that the way that you carry yourself throughout your day, wherever it is, on whatever social media platform, is how people, you know, create their perception of you. Absolutely. So if if, if you're uh, if you're being sloppy in your emails, and if you're being, you know, if you don't get back to someone, or if you, you know, you know, whatever it may be, it's like that. That puts a hinder on you. And I know that just being, for me, being on top of my stuff and just knowing how people operate and knowing what their goal is based on their position or their their drive or their, you know what they told you or whatever it may be yep. but use use the knowledge you have so that you don't have to have them work as hard and so that you can just have all the answers ready because you know all the questions that are coming yes. you know so i mean that that's how i got really on to that first nightmare show that that family picture is something i'll never forget yeah you know, man it's awesome uh, with, dude uh, and it's like the, the i wouldn't have met that photographer if I wasn't doing the big shows for Boom and if I wasn't, you know, creating those experiences for the high school students. Yeah. Um, that af- after party, when I opened up Concord, I was literally, you know, it was doors, then maybe like 30 minutes, then me. Yeah. I'm like, is anyone going to make it all the way from Adams Medell Park? Yeah. Like, is anyone going to come? Like, early? And, and by, the end, by, you know, by the end of my set, you know, I, I had that place bumping. Yeah. And, you know, you can go hard and, you know, go hard the right way. And, you know, I have people that, you know, come up and, you know, to me now and say, like, that set from uh, Toyota Park. They're like, Toyota Park's another memory that I have, right? Because, you know, just that night I got to meet Zed. I was, you know, I was finessing my way backstage because I understand credentials. Yeah. And I understand, you know, that the security guard sitting on his butt for eight hours doesn't care as long as you have a piece of equipment in your hand. So. <laughs> but, um, but always, always be respectful and like yeah. for me going to going to Spring Awakening uh, the last I think one of the last years at Soldier Field um, the second to last or last year I got thrown out for throwing water in the crowd they like escorted me out they're like you have to leave you you know you you, you, you tossed water and you got it on a security guard you, you, you have to just go out what? I'm like 
raw. Are you kidding me? I'm like, are you kidding me? It made for a great story because I found a high school friend outside. I'm like, I'm walking right now. I'm like, you better film me right now. And then I, boom, one, two, hop the, hop the 12, 10-foot fence, and I'm back in, got to see Cascade, close it out. We were driving. But, Dude, uh, I like you. Yeah. You're crazy. But the, the thing is, I, I see all I see all these. I had already purchased a ticket, right? I, I was already in there. I was already, you know, I, I already deserved that that experience. I, I I don't agree with the people that go out and try to you know sneak in the fest. And, yeah, you know, for try sure. To, you know, take them because it really does undermine our whole community. But yeah, I, I just didn't want to give off that vibe. That I was <laughs> totally. Go, hey guys, yeah, hop back in the fest all the time. No, but, fuck that, man. You explain yourself. Um, so I want to I want to know a little more for those that haven't seen you or heard your sets. Obviously, um, you know you're kind of in the the dubstep region. What would you consider to be your style if it's not maybe an opening set? Like if it's an AJ headlining set, what's it going to be like? If it's an AJ headlining set, that my the only time I've got to do that was Spring Awakening this past year. Because even even at two my my first year, I did Silent Disco. Yeah, and it's like all right. You know, it's 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 early. It's like I, you know, people aren't gonna go as hard. You know, I, I could go and do my thing. Yeah. I, I, I still play a little bit respectfully. You yeah. Know, but just because that was my first time in the fest, I didn't know who was listening. I didn't know who was gonna be watching me. Totally. I packed out the silent disco, and I'm like, all right, my people are here. I'm playing my music. Yeah, right, whatever. Uh, but Corona Beach last year, 2 p.m. on a Sunday, and I have that place packed by 2:50. Dude, the videos are I, awesome. I'm, I'm throwing, I'm throwing down high energy, um, but I'm taking, I'm taking my listeners and you know the people that are there experiencing on a journey, and I like going on a roller coaster myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I like coming out high energy, and then people got to take a break. People got to break. <laughs> people might not be drinking enough water out there. It's gonna be hot, right? It's like. For me, coming from the crowd, I understand that. And, like, from some people that are just starting to, you know, chop rhythm or whatever, it's like, yo, dude, like, I need a breather. Even if it's just some down-tempo, melodic bass or whatever it is, a sing-along, whatever, those, that, I, I learned that, that people need that breather. You need, you can't kill your crowd. And that's literally a thing. Like, you're playing, you're R.L. Grime and you're playing some Backwoods Festival. Yeah. R.L. Grime could kill somebody. He could. I'm serious. Yeah, he could. I agree. So, so I, I like to, th- you know, Arl Grind, Slander, Nightmare, those people, those those base sets I look up to, but I look up to that, you know, that kind of show element, and I do enjoy that bass music, but yeah. all those people, at some point in their set, will play a couple house tracks. Yeah. We'll play a couple drum and bass tracks. And I think, you know, over the last few years, especially with all these DJs like GTA and, you know, uh, uh, like Blackjack and Jaws doing the no genres, yep. genre bending and things like that. Yep. It's like someone like Jaws came out and made himself known. You know, he was a heavier guy, made a couple house tunes, got super poppy off it, you know? Yeah. It's like the cha- chain smoker formula, man. Yeah, you, bro. You make, a, you make the song selfie, and then you come out and you're playing some hard bass at these major festivals. It's, Dude, chain smokers go like, so hard. <laughs> bro, bro, they can kill somebody too. Bro. But like, like Marshmallow, like he, he comes out with Alone, uh, a major, you know, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can with this song. Right. Right? And then is playing Jotaro and purple Lamborghini at these sets and these little girls and boys that come to the set are like, what's going on? So, right. right it's no, I, dude, I actually, I actually like your, your statement there about like making a song. Cause so many people are like, you sell out. Like people say this about Dylan Francis all the time too. And of course, like major people like Diplo and it's like, dude, listen, you make music you don't know what you're going to make sometimes. And if some songs get popular, that's great. You're going to continue to challenge yourself and be creative and, and have fun with it. And so many people are like, I want more of that, right? And then when you make more of that, they're like, we miss the old version of this artist. And it's like, dude, just like, let us be. Zed's, uh, Zed's dead right there. And they're like, Zed's oh, dead. We want new music. We, we want new music. And then they bring out Northern Lights album, which is a Sick. little bit more melodic. 
it. Yes. There's no chiller stuff on it. But it's like, you have to, if you get, if you love that then, and when you see that artist in a live set, you love their album, you love their piece of work, and they mix it in yep. with something else that you had no idea that could have been a thing. Yep. That's such a magical moment for a, a fan in the crowd, where whatever it be. Right, and if and if you're if you don't like if you're me and you don't have a large arsenal of originals yet, it's like you have to know how to connect with the crowd to make them believe and make them trust that all right, this dude knows what I want to hear. I paid money for this headline. Yeah. I paid money for this uh, this event. I, I feel like I should get what I want, what I deserve, or you know. So yeah, absolutely. But, but with, with the AJ set, right, yeah, it is heavier. I'm going to throw in a lot of hip-hop. I have a couple buddies, and I've been influenced with, you know, hip-hop. Uh, and it wasn't something I came up on, but, uh, you know, making those connections with my friends doing the hip-hop world, that's how I got people on my early tracks. That's how, that's how I learned how to just go into the studio with an artist and, you know, convey my message, my thought of what needs to happen to them. So that was cool. I love that. Um, but it, it, it's all over the place, and I just tell people that don't aren't really in the scene. Like it, it's it's heavier bass music. Yeah. But it's gonna it's gonna tell a story. So. Excellent. That's perfect, man. And you know, kind of on that note, when you were touching on uh, people having an opinion, right? And that's kind of what we deal with as DJs, as producers, as anyone who's a creative. It's tough for us because everybody can have an opinion of what we're doing, whether or not they can even come up with something like that on their own. And a question I want to ask you for someone who's been in the game for a long time, what have been some obstacles you've encountered and how did you get through them, man? Oh, that's a great one. So, um, yeah, man. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with a group or a page called the rave chasers. Um, I've heard, I've heard for sure. Okay. So, uh, starting out and going to shows and meeting people in the back of the crowd and meeting like like minds and you know people who were there yeah for the, you know same stuff i was i met Aslan, who is elevated half of elevated yeah yeah yeah, I don't know if you're familiar yeah with of that course group. of course um so he started a group called the rave chasers and it was just a group that the fans right it was just a fan group that we wanted to call ourselves something so that we could be known at you know at, as a bigger collective, right? Sure, of course. Um, that, so we could all we could all push one name and like Floster Damas the last year they they really loved us and they were shout they shot us out on the main stage like that's really when like fan groups started becoming a thing. Definitely, and, like you know, uh, like the, the DJs following really. We were seeing the impact, right? We were we were getting shouted out at shows. So yeah, we're gonna go and support. We're gonna show mad love, but we we're also we had a we had a following. We had a, a plethora of people. So all these artists wanted us to come and promote their shows, right? Anyways, yeah, it was just a, it was a group collective ran by this other guy. He was my best friend for years, bro. We went to every show. We went to Mad Decent. We we traveled, man. Like we were. I, when he didn't have a place to stay, I put him up in my guest room in my parents' house. Wow. And, like, he was paying super low rent. And the thing that I've come in contact with, the thing that I feel, you know, has been a struggle for me is just finding authentic people. Um, yeah. Because this dude is my best friend, and the guy stiffed my parents on, like, two and a half months of rent. And while that's that, – while that's – minuscule money in the grand scheme of things it was the it was the the perp the, the you know just the principle of man i stuck my neck out for you when you had you wouldn't even go back to your parents place yeah and you didn't want to do that and this is how you repay me it's not even my money it's my parents like it just just encountering dodgy people like that and having the know the know how to you know kind of rise above and just kind of brush it off yeah because it's hard when you see when you see people that i have mutual friends now with this guy that they were coming on to the rave chasers because of me and there were people that wanted to be a part of it because of me yeah and then i dipped out they're like well what are you doing AJ? it's like and i recognize that oh my god 
I'm, I was promoting something that, you know, ultimately wasn't for me and I needed to get out. And so that's when I learned, I'm like, oh my God, my name is like whatever I attach myself to is super crucial. Yeah. And that's why I was super salty with the way boom happened. It was the same type of thing happened. This dude is my best friend. This, I, you know, I would go and I would put in hours of my personal time for this guy. Yeah. Right. And, and then I get shafted on the back end. Right. Uh, he wanted me to sign a non-compete for 12 months for only a month's salary. What? For a month's salary. A non-compete. So that would, I couldn't do, I couldn't go and do any high school dances as a DJ, like myself. Like, even, you know, because I have the connections now. I, have, I know the production guys. I know, I know where to, you know, how to do it all. Yeah. And he wanted that, because he didn't want me to steal a client. So it's like, that happened to me twice now, and it's like, Jeez. shame on me once, yeah, and then shame, you know, I, I was like, all right, I'll give, you know, someone else a second chance, and, you know, I kind of get burned even bigger, with even bigger money. Yeah. Um, but this time, it was my money, so. Jeez. But. Appreciate you sharing, like, man. You, if, 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 you hate to be the bad guy, because if you're the one talking smack on Facebook, People don't know context. Yep. People don't. People just read it at face value. And now, nowadays, people just read headlines. Don't even read into the article. Yeah. Headlines could be twisted, and that that's the same way that I was feeling. It's like, well, I'm not going to badmouth the guy out in the public because that's going to make me look bad. It's going to make my image look bad. Right. So it's like when when I have the conversations, when I talk to people that. Oh yeah, didn't you used to be cool with this guy? I'm like, yeah, I did, but this happened, or you know, so right. it's like I, I'm not. It's not. I don't want to go out out of my day, out of my day to you know do that for any of anyone who has wronged me. It's like it's not worth my time, and it makes me look bad. So that's just the biggest thing that I've tried to overcome. Um, yeah, because everything else is kind of come naturally to me. The passion, um, in the work ethic, and you know. Just, I think that's something that a lot of people around 26, 27, 28, if you're still doing the thing you were doing in college, it's like you're serious. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're not putting in that nine to five at, you know, wherever just to, you know, work on your hobby later at night. It's yeah. like I, you know, was in where I needed to be for the last, you know, five years or whatever. I relate with that, man. Totally, totally. And there's like kind of a layover period where people are like excited that you're doing something like DJing or anything in the music industry for the first couple of years. And there's always that that flat line for a while. Whether you go up or down, your friends, I mean, your friends are always your friends, right? But they don't support you with that high energy because they're like, I can't believe you're still doing this, right? And then that's when we really trade those closer friendships with people like you and I who are trying to follow this dream when nobody else is supporting us like they used to. And now we're 27, 28, 29, still doing this shit, and now people are coming back around like, hey, I really admire that you're following your passion. Oh, you got tickets to Lala, dude? Yeah. remember me from high school? Exactly. Hey, bro, like, it's been a while. Hope you're doing well. I got this person to do that. You know, like, can I can I come to this show? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's been a while, man. I remember, I remember uh, a few... Where was you when I was shooting? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> bro, that's, that, that's my biggest thing. And it's like, you know who those people are, even if they're not in your circle. Yeah. Right? You know, my, my one of my best friends growing up is a complete opposite of me. He's a wilderness guy. You know, we, we bonded over Airsoft, and, you know, I was an Eagle Scout back in my day. Oh, hell like, yeah. Eagle Scout. So, we, you know, I'm a camp outdoors guy to the, the fullest, and mm-hmm. he, he's not in my realm. He, he, he does not come out to clubs, but <laughs> if I said, yo, dude, this means a lot to me, like, come out and support, like, he'll be there. And, like, he was at the Aragon show with the AJ shirt on, and he's never been to another electronic show ever in his life. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, like, this one's the one to come to. And he, so dude. those are the people that are still, like, we're keeping around, you know, even though they're staying in their lane. But I, I completely agree, and I feel that it's hard for people to when you're coming up from when you're just leaving your friend group and kind of going into the the business professional space yeah um and going into that 27 28 range it it, it's hard 
hard to seem authentic with people. Yeah. I feel nowadays because people just, yo, bro, check out my DM, check out this demo, check, you know, they, they shoot you a demo without even, they shoot you a, um, uh, hey, bro, come to Joy District because it's your birthday today. I see that it's your birthday on Facebook, but I've never talked to you before. And it's like, that's not authentic. That's, you know, and even if like artists are, you know, up and coming guys are trying to make a legitimate connection, like for, for you, you know, we haven't talked, but I, I wanted to reach out, but it's like, would I, I, I don't know, and I don't want to put you on a spot, but if if some random bedroom producer just messaged you randomly, yeah. are you going to take a... a happens all the time. Happens like, all the well, time. Exactly, exactly. It's like you don't want to be mean, but then it's also like, yo, this is like, yo, this is where I am right now. It's like, I, I respect where you are right now, and it's like... It, it, I want to help you, and I don't want. And I just think people need to be a little bit more educated on how to professionally, hey, take a professionally take a no, or professionally understand, hey, this is not happening because of this, right? Yeah. I completely understand that I'm not getting booked to the fullest right now because I don't have that arsenal of tracks right now. That's what I've been focusing now on. That and Call of Duty, right? <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I've been laughing this whole time, man. <laughs> no, and dude, honestly, listen, man. Like people, um, you know, not to not to say I'm bigger than I am, but people will reach out all the time and are interested in being on the show. And don't get me wrong, I vet people, man. And you, um, you had been on the list because uh, Brian Garecki had mentioned you before to me, um, or yeah, one of the Garecki's. Love them. Love them. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, I think the way you, it was so genuine and I think you are obviously a guy who wears your heart on your sleeve. So from another guy who does the same, I think that's probably why this has been such a fun conversation, man. Oh, uh, pause, pause. Uh, you asked me before memorable show moments. So yeah. You mentioned Brian Garecki and I, I knew him from the high five days back in. Oh uh, yeah. High five and who cares? <laughs> yep. So, uh, did you ever go to a trap house party? Uh, at the crocodile, yes, crocodile. Yes, that's that, that's where I'm talking about pizza all night, baby. Yeah. So that was one of my per. That was me going to a show, a party, and like me going and being seen there by myself every week because I was serving. I was in school. No one else. They were either out or had a nine to five or whatever. No one wanted to go out on a Tuesday. And I would go and I'd make sure that I would shake Rizzo's hand yep. and Charles's hand almost every time I went. And that turned into, yo, AJ, do you want to play the upstairs room? Yep. Yo, AJ, hey, we're going to give you a, a trap house date. Yo, AJ, you're going to support Win and Woo. Yo, AJ, you're going to play at Soundbar now with us. Yep. And it's like, yo, that's how I supported the party. And so I, I know Brian's come up in a similar fashion. He's yeah. really taken off with producing and there was, there was a time I know uh, Brian Brian I, I, Brian and I were working on some stuff in, in his basement early. I said, "Yo, why don't you know, let's, let's look at some producing stuff?" Yeah, I'm like I was more fascinated with the sh with the show element. Yeah, and he's like, "Yo, let's do the computer stuff," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> now I understand." So, <laughs> yeah, but, man, they have they have a really great uh, come up story. I had a great time interviewing them, and I've known them for years too. And it's just been really cool to see. Like now, I'm tangibly seeing people in front of me that I know go from what you're talking about, right? You and I going to the show, supporting people, working their way up, making music, making connections, and just spreading positivity. And I think Birthday Party is just a great example of a success story, and they have such a bright future ahead of them. I uh, love it, love it. Um, also, it just sparked my mind, meeting people that's, that, you know, I'm probably was going to ask about this, but the slander story. Yeah. Um, that's, that's how I, I met them. I was just in the crowd at Mojo's and they're like, yo, this, this dude's cool. This dude's got a, a crew around him. He knows. I was throwing up the warning sign the whole time because we're big Foster Domus fans. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mosh pit. And, yeah. So, but we talked after the show and then I got guest listed at my first event and they were opening up for Zed's dad. And I met Zed's dad in the back room while I was, 
off the shits and I was like, this is really happening. What's going on? Like, I was, I was candy kid to the, the fullest. Uh-huh. And, and then after the show, they're like, AJ, uh, next next show, you actually got to, like, hang out with us after the set, not not go for the bigger DJs. It's like, oh, got it, got it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout out Slander. That's awesome, man. Um, so one of the last questions I want to ask you, you said you were working on music. What's, uh, what's in the pipeline for the rest of this year, man? You know, what kind of shows out the door are you just honing in? Well, um, was, was kind of waiting to hear back, uh, see if the, the driving gets confirmed or not. Okay. I'm not sure if that's going to happen with, uh, with Nightmare, Midnight Tea, and Dogma. Oh, you might be playing? That would be awesome. Yeah, there is. I think there. I think there is a spot. I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, it would be, you know, obviously supporting my, my man Dan. That's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so waiting to hear back on that. But otherwise, I'm just obviously like everyone else, waiting to see if stuff picks back up uh, for for shows. And I haven't really been bugging, you know, you know, promoters and event, you know, throwers and club owners and stuff. It's like, you know. They, they've got so much on their mind right now. It's like they don't they don't need someone else peddling them for a show or whatever. So sure. it's like work work on my own craft right now. Do do my live streams. I'm actually trying out a 3D live stream this Friday. Cool. So uh, yeah, 3D technology. It's kind of like like how Nightmares was for Digital Mirage, but definitely gonna not be as cool. But <laughs> I, you know, somewhere in that range. But. Sure. The time now, I've, I've learned how to, you know, do my live streams at home, and I had to rewire to get, you know, my Ethernet over my coax with my Mocha adapters, <laughs> and you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing all that stuff at home. But right now, this is after Boom. After I was done with Boom, uh, and you know, I was just gonna start working on music and uh, working at the restaurant for some money on the side. Yeah, uh, but. Now this is giving me the time to just dive in and learn how to do what I want to do in my head. There's a couple, a couple of remixes that I've done with people. It's like I can convey what at this moment right now I can convey, and I can set up, you know, an Ableton session, and I can, you know, say, hey, you know, here's all the pieces. Yeah. But all to do it, to do it quickly, and to make, you know, stuff that's of quality and stuff that you just start firing off. I'm not there yet. Yeah, bro. So that's totally. what I'm working on. That's what I'm working on right now um, is really working on those, you know, finding where I want to be, what's the what's the marketing, you know, way I want to go with my music because I, I really feel that that's something that I can take from people like Slander Nightmares, that branding element, right? And they, they, you know, even all their music, you know, all their artists as well, it's, even if they're just singles, even if it's just the EP, you know, there's a cohesive element. And if you think of things on a 30,000 foot level, add that, you know, and add that cohesive element, it's going to be that much easier for your consumer to digest your material. Yeah. Especially if they're not an electronic music fan, right? Sure. So, um, yeah, just I'm working on the sound right now, man, and uh, getting that ready to go. Love it, man. Good for you, bro. And, and I'm glad to hear you're finding creativity in a time when there's so many other distractions, personally, professionally, right? Like the whole scope has changed for, doesn't matter if you're in the music industry or not, man. The whole scope of the rest of this year has changed for really everyone on a global scale. And I think that's probably the biggest double-edged sword about it, right? Although there's been world wars, although there's been natural disasters, never has anything brought everyone together on the same thing ever before, and I think there's something special about that. So I'm the closest thing. The closest thing was the Cubs World Series. <laughs> that was the closest thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, dude! I, know, I, totally, I totally, I totally feel you, man. Ain't that a fact, though? That's hilarious. Uh, What's up with you? What's a, you got? You got some 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 heaters coming. You got stuff in the pipeline. I you do, man. I got a track. Uh, I'm gonna put out sometime. Gosh, it's July 1st today. I'm putting it out probably mid mid month. Uh, it's called the Shermanator. I've been wanting to do something with the Shermanator from America. I've, 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 I've been waiting for an American <laughs> Payout. I've been waiting for it. So that's literally the, when I heard your name, Sherman the Booth, originally I'm like. Oh, sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's like... Absolutely. Okay. So I'm excited to finally launch that. 
Um, really, really focusing on building the podcast brand and my YouTube following. So I've been doing a lot of new pieces of content that I'm going to be launching. Um, but uh, definitely still working in the studio as much as I can. I am definitely taking a little bit of a back burner on that to push forward on um, what I feel is most relevant for me right now and where I can give the most to my following. And that's interviews with people trying to continue to uh, bring to light what it's like to be in the music industry right now. Yeah, 100%. And I think you're doing a great job of it. Thank you, uh, sir. Other question, just a question for you. I know you're yeah. the interviewer here. That's but, okay. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your philosophy? I like, I like more of a discussion. What's your philosophy on uh, music releasing um, in regards to artists? Even if you're just, let's just say, because you're, you're solo, right? You're not, you're not signed to anyone, right? Right. You're just, you're just doing your thing. When... Do you feel that your music release is optimal, right? Do you wait till you have an arsenal? You wait till you have that whole EP scheduled out? I know I'm releasing two tracks yeah. every, you know, every month. You know, what, what's your philosophy behind your brand engagement? Do you want to, you know, give the most to your 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 following right away? What's what's your feel? I think, you know, we we manage some artists, and um, since producing isn't my number one thing this isn't something i've had to do on my own for sure you know i think for someone like you i would recommend building up tracks uh, again to bring up the birthday party model man they released i think a track every week or two weeks for like six months or even longer than that i can't exactly remember yeah, consistency yeah. consistency so i think one thing to understand is you could have a track that you're like, this is such a great track. I'm going to put it out right now, right? And then it builds up steam, and then you're like, oh, no, I got I... And then, and then, right, and then you're not in that same creative mindset. And let's say a label's like, hey, this is great. You got any more? Like, if you send music to labels, they're going to say, we really like this. Do you have more? And if you say, I don't have more right now, that could be your only chance to get on a label. So the only time they're gonna listen to you, I totally get it. You're that's been my philosophy is because I've you know I have a couple of remixes, I have stuff that I haven't put out. There's only I have two remixes on SoundCloud, yep. and then other stuff that I haven't put out. But it's just because it's it's one a not ready, and two it's like you I've learned to build that momentum in that steam. So I just wanted to see if you were you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely, so. man. And, and listen, I think everybody's done something different every single time. So if you feel true to direction, like that's how you're going to be unique anyway. There are a lot of artists that release once every quarter and they really promote promote that song and they have things that go yeah. along with it. But from a from a independent music perspective, I think that you want to have at least five tracks that you know you have at least six months or so. And then in between that, you can continue to produce and not feel like I'm on, I'm against the clock. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No, I totally get it. 100%. Yeah. It's, it, dude, and it's a discussion I've had with a lot of people, especially recently, right? Like, there are a lot of people who have music right now they feel is a summer hit or would be good for this time of year or would be great to play at a club or a festival. Like, why would I wait? And I'm like, under, I totally understand that perspective. Right, and a lot who who I mean, let's say at least over half of producers make music so they can play at a festival or a club or have other DJs play at a festival yeah. or a club. Right, you produce to DJ. There are people who produce because it's produced, right, and and they love it, and that's great. But I think that you should release it, and you should continue making new music because if this is what you love, you're going to continue to get better and better. And holding on to something um, isn't always the best way because then you could get a little lazy. Then you could say, I'll wait till next year. And then, you know, I'm a no excuses type guy, man, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I think if you've got it and you've got the arsenal, like even with coronavirus, drop that shit, promote it, keep working on mu new music, move on to the next thing. Clear your brain space as much as you can because if you keep too much shit in the back of your head, you're going to forget about it and it could be wasted opportunity. I hear that. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's great. Great advice. Yeah, I do. I always love what's, when people um, ask me questions. What's, uh, what, last one, what's, uh, you know, what's your most memorable, like, if you had to give, all right, this, this is the DJ moment, I mean, is it the Aragon show that I'm going to tell my kids right now? <laughs> is, that, is that where you're at right now? Like, if you had the one story, like, all right, I'm in with the in-laws, I'm telling them, like, what's your story? 
Yeah, you're putting me in a good mental space here. Um, yeah, I would probably have to say uh, Aragon for sure, man. That second night. Um, well, because Galantis is is a, a, a artist that's one of the most streamed artists in the entire world, right? And that means fans, old, old and young. So there was a lot of, like, the, door, the doors were at 8, and there were people there in line at 8. So it was filled up by 9.15, 9.30, especially on Saturday night when it sold out in advance. People were getting there early. People, I th- people that listen. People that, people that listen. Exactly. And I feel like you probably experienced it, too, with, like, a Saturday night crowd. Friday night crowds sometimes get people who have worked all week. They want to take the night off. Like, Friday night just, in my eyes, isn't as big of a night as Saturday night. You can have big nope. nights. Nope. So just yeah. the, the energy that I felt and how I felt on the decks, I was locked in, man, for the entire time. And uh, it was just quite surreal. Like, the participation with the crowd. Uh, SG Lewis giving me a hug and said he played a great yeah. set. And I was like, God, this is insane, man. So, for oh, sure, that that was my that was my DJ moment. But I'm still, you know, in that – I'm still riding that high that I had in my mind, man, because I'm just trying to do much stuff in the back end right now. Like – Bro, it's in, it's insane that you, you know, both of us were just coming up. You know, I I was literally a week away from playing with my you know one of my favorites on their newest tour on this crazy ass freak yeah. at my favorite venue. Yeah, and it's like I'm on this high, and <laughs> everyone just has to take a breath and a you know I'm like oh my god, it's like thank you for taking the wind out of my sail, dude. Like, <laughs> I know, man, but it's all good, bro. Like we're, we're going to get through this and I'm telling you like this time's going to pass by so fast. I just know it. And we just got to be optimistic and keep spreading that positivity. Like I know you already are. Yes, sir. When's your next uh, live set? Um, I don't know. I just did one for my birthday on Monday. I think, uh, I'll probably do something to like, I was going to ask how that went. How was your birthday? (laughs) It was a great time, man. I literally got wasted with my brother. <laughs> so that was a good time. Yeah, my mom and uh, one of our family friends and my girlfriend were just sitting there like, "What are you guys doing?" And we're just like, "Happy birthday. Let's have a good time." But uh I'll do another one soon, man. They keep coming back around. Um I'm really not planning on playing any shows even if they come my way. I'd rather give it to someone who uh, needs the money and I'm trying to be as safe as I can with coronavirus. My uh, dad's a doctor. I feel that. I feel that too. My mom was a nurse and yeah, people can have their opinions on whatever it is and uh if people in the health professional world are saying this is a pandemic, take it seriously, I'm going to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, even Vegas right now has been open for a little bit, and they're already seeing spikes, and it's like... Uh, Look at the states that opened up. Arizona, man, I had yeah. friends that went there to Bottle Blonde and El Jefe, and I was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, they... I, I, I miss the shows and I miss the atmosphere. I miss Same. The as much as anyone else, but it's like, would you just take a breather? This is this is good for all of us. Everyone everyone always is like, oh, I'm gonna stop going to shows. I'm gonna stop going to shows. All right, here's your chance to stop going to shows for a little bit, even though you you know you want to keep going, and then <laughs> just make it that much sweeter. Next year will be bigger and better than ever before, man. Uh, yeah. But I'd well, like I to. Hey, man, I appreciate the time, man. No, uh, AJ, this has been such a great time, man. And again, I appreciate uh, you know your genuine reach out, and um, I'm a big fan of you before, and especially now too. So it was so much, so much fun talking to you right now, man. Getting to know you better. Hell yeah, same. And I, I'm looking forward to many more conversations, and you know, seeing seeing where the future goes for both of us. Absolutely, man. Let's just keep helping each other out. Can we make a deal? Yes, sir. Give me some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coronavirus, yeah, you like that? <laughs> Corona nuts. <laughs> well, you have a good day, my man, and I'll talk to you again soon.